Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Hermon from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is the word of the Lord. If you have a Bible today, go ahead and turn to uh, Psalm 42. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd be glad to hand you one. You can follow along. Thank you to Mark for uh, doing such a nice job reading that psalm for us this morning. And I hope that you are joining us in reading through the psalms over the next few months. We're going to read just on your own time during your morning devotion or evening time with God. Uh, read a psalm a day. Uh, and if you did not get a uh, bookmark, that will maybe help you do that. Um, I've tried to put this in my phone on my Bible app, but it doesn't work. It actually works in my actual Bible. But we have a few more of these back there on the table on the way out, and we would love for you to take one of those and join us in this uh, reading a psalm a day. Um, and um, we're just going to do that together uh, through the next few months together. Uh, I also, I don't always know when this happens, so I, I apologize if I haven't been fair to everybody. But I just uh, had such a happy moment this morning. I saw uh, in our foyer um, a brand new member of our church, uh, Jaira Joy Schwarzendruber. Uh, they're here somewhere, born this week, Tuesday. Okay, congratulations to you guys. So, uh, so thankful when, um, like Micah was talking about, it's just we're just trying to be a family here, and we love each other and love it when our family has good news, so we're happy to have her first Sunday here. It's a great, uh, it's a standard, high standard you set there, right? <laughs> Baby born Tuesday and here Sunday, I love it. Um, I think, I think, I don't know this for certain, I have to, I should have asked my mother years ago. But I think I was born on Wednesday and was in church on Sunday. So that's 
has it, that, that sensibility works with me. So uh, raise your hand if you know this to be true. When it rains, it pours, right? You ever had a week or a season where that has been true in your life? Sometimes it just feels like things are not going to go your way. I remember uh, years ago uh, during COVID, a couple years ago, we took a trip to the Biltmore, uh, our family. We were just trying to get away for a couple days, and we noticed that um, ever been on 40 in that spot where you're going kind of through the mountain there? And um, just before you get to Asheville, it was pouring rain, and there were cars that had slid out. The water was sort of sheeting across. Uh, the, it's kind of an embanked place there. Uh, you know, it's like, um, it's extremely, uh, it's, it's scary anyway, but if it's pouring rain, and I noticed during that time, uh, I noticed that um, when we got there, I was like, Bonnie's tire, the tires on her car are not great. We just went through this rain. I was, I was nervous, and I thought we were going to skid into uh, over the mountain, right? Uh, but we got it, and so when we got back, uh, we decided, okay, let's go ahead and look at getting some new tires on the car. Getting new tires on your car is never convenient, is it? And so we're like, okay, let's see if we have the money. It's not cheap, and it's not convenient. And at the same time, I noticed that uh, I was driving an old Jeep back then, and I noticed that two front tires on the Jeep were also looking a little suspect. I said, okay, let's look into both of these. We're trying to be frugal. So I had a new spare on the back. I said, let's use the new spare, and let's just get one new tire to match that new spare. We'll put those on the front. And, and so we did that. And about the same time that we're getting all that worked on, um, we took our girls who were sharing a car. They were still in high school. And one of the tires, I don't know if it was a slow leak. I can't remember if it was had a vibration. We took that in. Hey, can you just look at this? Yeah, you need new tires on that as well. I'm like, man, when it rains, it pours. That's a lot of tires all at one time. But I knew that uh, it was during the summer, and I knew that I was going to be speaking. I had been invited to speak at a church in Virginia, and they said they would pay me to come up and speak. And so I was thinking, you know, they may pay me at least to, to pay for part of these tires, and so we said, let's just go ahead and do it. Let's get all the tires. <laughs> just give me the tires. Whatever, whatever we need, let's go ahead and do that. And so we did new tires on three of the three cars that we had at the time. And don't you know, um, during the, the Friday before I was supposed to leave Saturday to go up to that church, they called and said, you know, with COVID, we don't think we're going to let you know, do this whole revival thing. And so the money that I was kind of counting on to pay for the tires that we had just bought, this mountain of tires, um, didn't come through at the time. And so don't you know it to be true? When it rains, it pours, right? When things happen, Murphy's Law says if it can go wrong, it will go wrong, and some would, say, would add, it, it will go wrong at the worst possible time, right? And life has a way of bringing problems our direction, and it often feels like once you start going down that road of problems, then they just keep getting worse and worse. Things tend to pile on, and uh, when it rains, it pours. Jesus said it this way. He said, in this world, there will be trouble. And trouble comes indifferent to all of us, but Jesus is true when he says that there's going to be trouble in our lives, and it comes to all of us. Psalm 119, 143 says, trouble and distress have come upon me, but your commands give me delight. And sometimes that trouble is harder and more significant than having to buy three sets of tires, right? Sometimes it's in the form of a job loss, which is significant. It's a loss of income, or, or maybe you're going through a breakup, and that's difficult, or maybe you've gotten recently a diagnosis. That can be difficult to deal with. That's a lot more uh, difficult than tires, right? Or maybe you've lost a loved one. 
or dealing with anxiety or depression or maybe a prolonged illness. I mean, trouble can come in lots of forms, and some are more significant than others. Many of you were here and part of our church and helped our family through one of those seasons. After about 10 years of declining health and about five years in a nursing home uh, with Alzheimer's, my mother passed away in April of 2016. Three months later, having been the caregiver for my mother for 15 plus years, my dad also died across, he was in the, in the same nursing home across the hall. Later that same year, Bonnie's dad, my wife's dad, died unexpectedly. He went to church, went to a meeting, they prayed at the end of the meeting, he never opened his eyes. So sometimes trouble feels more like suffering, right? I didn't want you to think that I hadn't dealt with this in my life. You know, tires is one thing, but sometimes trouble feels like difficult times and suffering. So why does trouble find me? Am I just a magnet for trouble? Am I a glutton for punishment? Does, does God even see my situation? And if he does, does he even care? It's great questions, ones that we all have asked in our life. Today we're in Psalm 42, one of my favorite psalms, beautiful imagery that the psalmist writes, this language and imagery and, po- uh, imagery and poetry. The psalmist, uh, thank you for sa- hearing the us introduction says, in for lives. the director of music, a for being our gods song when we are full of, of the joy. Korah, songs for the sons of Korah. And also so for being this our refers God to the Levitical spirit. choir. The sons of Korah were made up uh, of descendants of Korah appointed by David to serve in the temple liturgy or in the, in the temple worship based on you. could also be translated for the sons of Korah. It could be by the sons of Korah or for the sons of Korah. And possibly written by David to be led by the sons of Korah during worship in the temple. The psalm begins, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And I think the question to kind of get us kicked off on this psalm today is, How thirsty is your soul for God? Right? The psalmist seems to be yearning to worship God. Like, like a deer pants for streams of water, that's how the psalmist's soul is panting, is longing and yearning for God. I know that it's deer season right now. I'm not much of a hunter, though if I were, Trent Woods would have a lot less deer. Right? <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and he lives in Virginia. He said that he's been in the woods just about every day uh, since hunting season starts. And his son, though, hasn't hunted much. He likes to hunt like with a bunch of guys, and they uh, send the dogs out to um, track the deer and chase the deer back to them or what have you. And it's a little different season. It started yesterday. Now, I would guess there are some tired deer this morning from yesterday, deer hunting, dog season starting in Virginia. Deer that have been on the move, thirsty. And it's a beautiful image of how our souls should want to be with God. I also think the context of this psalm is the need to be not just with God, but in the assembly of the people with God, worshiping with others. Verse 4 says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng." So the psalmist is remembering the time when he was able to be with God's people and worship together. I I like the New Living Translation here. It reads, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used 
to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. I love to come here to worship every week. I mean, I, I love to be here with our church family. I love when we have new ones here. Right? Matter of fact, when I'm not here, I just don't, I, I just don't feel right. I, I just love to be here. I just love to be with my church family. And our family is one of those weird families that even when we're not here, we go to church somewhere. Like, we just don't go on vacation and not go to church. That's just kind of who we are. It's kind of the way Bonnie and I were both raised. And um, even though we might watch Two Rivers Online uh, later in the day, or sometimes if we're in a different time zone, we've, I've done that before where I have watched Two Rivers and then gone to church with our family um, when we were out in Reno with Bonnie's brother. But I just love being with the church, whether it's here or somewhere else. This fall, Bonnie and I were in St. Louis, Missouri, and we found a church that we could attend before we flew back home on a Sunday. And it was it's just nice for Bonnie and I to get to go to church together. That's a part of it. Or our family, if we're traveling, to attend church together once in a while. But if, if I'm sick and I just can't make it to church and I have to watch online, it's just, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't get my week started right. I want to be here. And I hope that you feel the same. I, I hope you also notice that we work hard each week to make this something that you want to be here for. Right? Aaron does a great job. Micah does a great job. Our children's ministry do a great job. Our coffee and welcome team do their, do their best to make you feel comfortable when you get here, right? We want you to want to be here. And the question is, does your soul thirst to be in the assembly, in the celebration, right, of our God together? Do you find yourself thirsting for God and for time of worship with others? I can tell you this. If you find yourself weak and tired spiritually, you're probably thirsting for God and for this time of worship. I played in a golf tournament yesterday over the Emerald, and uh, it was a 35th anniversary golf tournament um, of, the, of the club, and I played with some folks here, and we had a good time. And um, It started at kind of a weird time, like 10.30 in the morning, and I had gotten up at a normal time, 6, 6.30, and I had only had like a cup of coffee and a couple pieces of toast. And by the time uh, I got to like 12, 12.30, I was like, I was feeling kind of faint. I literally was like, I'm going to, not like I'm going to pass out, just like I'm lacking energy. Luckily, Bob, actually Amy, gave Bob some snacks, and uh, he gave them to me, and I had some snacks, and I kind of got reinvigorated, right? And I think that's kind of what Sundays are for us as the church. We get to get refueled. We get to get um, some sustenance. We get to be with God's people. We get to worship him. The psalmist then asked this question in verse 3, and it's kind of where we're going to go for the rest of the time. It says, my tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? So if this is David who wrote this psalm, possibly, then it could be that he's writing about those times when he was being pursued by Saul, literally running, looking for food, right, famished and hunted. And during that time, I wonder if people would say to him, you know, where is your God, right? He was the hero of heroes, and now he's on the run for his life. And he was wanting to be back with his family and with God's people, and specifically in worship 
in the assembly. And there's a sense that whoever wrote the psalm has a lot of trouble that's come to them, so much so that people would say, where is your God during this time? I think the psalmist is leaning into this question, why why does trouble seem to find me? Or maybe where are you, God, in this season of trouble? And it's a big question. As a matter of fact, many people who do not believe in God find the question about trouble or suffering the critical issue blocking their ability to believe in God. Like if you talk to some of your friends or you talk to somebody who's maybe atheist or agnostic or maybe just doesn't really care, you say, why don't you go to church with me? I don't really believe in God. Why? Well, why would God allow such suffering in the world? You ever heard that? It's actually a good question. In his book, The Reason for God, Tim Keller writes, for many people, it is not the exclusivity of Christianity that poses the biggest problem. It is the presence of evil and suffering in the world. For some, that question of suffering in the world or trouble is too big to overcome. If there is a God, why would he allow suffering in the world? For others, and I think most of us, we tend to make things a little more personal. It's more like, where is God when trouble continues to find me? Keller tells this story. It says, in December 2004, a massive tsunami killed more than 250,000 people around the rim of the Indian Ocean. And over the following weeks, newspapers and magazines were full of letters and articles asking, where is God? Ron Rosenbaum, in an article in the New York Observer, wrote, if God is God, he's not good. And if God is good, he's not God. You can't have it both ways, especially after the Indian Ocean catastrophe. And maybe you've had the same question. Let me just say this. Our God, the God that I believe in, isn't really afraid of our questions. It's okay. It's not that we doubt. It's just that we're human and sometimes we have questions. Or maybe for you it's a little more personal. Where is God in this situation? I don't see it. Or why did God allow this to happen to me? Why does trouble find me? Keller points out that there are four wrong ways that people answer this question. Kind of give you that as a context today. And I'm not smart enough to convince you today, but if you're here today, maybe you have that question. Maybe I'll give you a reason to believe. Maybe something that might spark an interest for you to go a little deeper and do a little more research. So the first wrong answer to why does trouble find me or why is there suffering is people might would say, well, this makes no sense. So I guess this proves there is no God. Some would say or think, if this is happening to me, then there must not be a real God. In the face of trouble or suffering, some take the angle that this proves that there is not a good and loving God. And it's true, there are times when what's happening in this world doesn't make sense. Especially to our finite and temporary minds. Psalm 42.9 says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning and oppressed by the enemy? Right? The psalmist is kind of leaning into this idea. Where is God in this? Why have you forgotten me? If you're there, where are you? And what this answer, though, is really asserting is that life isn't fair. Right? 
I guess that proves there's no God. In our humanness, we want everything to work out for ourselves, don't we? All the time. Now ask yourself this question, is that fair? <laughs> right? We want it to always work out for us. And so in a sense of, in the sense of trying to be fair or find this fairness and why bad things are happening, we ask the question, why me? And really, that's not a fair question in and of itself. You cannot just jump to that there is no God just because you have trouble or you see trouble in this world. The second wrong answer to the question, why me, is, is this. If there is a God, this proves he's not completely in control. Psalm 42.7 says, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. It's like this sense that if God could control this, he's not choosing to. He's allowing or, or, or making these things happen. Do you think the ones who suffered during the tsunami thought, why did God do this? Or, or, at, or maybe a little less than that, why did God, if he's in control, let this happen? And I think the natural response to trouble is the question, why? Why is this happening? And if it's happening to you, then the question is, why me? Sometimes in life we wonder, where is God's hand in certain circumstances? But to say that God isn't in control is an insufficient answer. I mean, look at verse 7. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. Your waves, your breakers have swept over me. So even when we point our finger at God, we're still admitting that he has control. We just don't like the way he uses that control. If you think that God is an impersonal life force and this whole material world is just an illusion, again, you remove any reason to be outraged at evil and suffering. Won't you resist it? Thirdly, why me? Well, wrong answer. If there is a God, he picks and chooses who he favors. Verse 10 says, my bones suffer mortal agony and my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? This is kind of that question, where is God in my circumstances or in this difficult time in my life? Is he just out to get me? Does he pick and choose good for some and bad for others? I can remember being sick when I was a kid. This is terrible. And it was the worst thing as a kid being sick. I, I can remember uh, at the time my, my bedroom was downstairs and uh, my parents' bedroom was upstairs. And I can remember vividly like having this feeling of nausea. You know what I mean? Like as a kid and you're like, oh, man, this is getting ready to happen. You know? And you're fighting it. And finally I would get up. I would open the door to the stairs and scream up the stairs, mom. And I go to the bathroom and it wasn't fun from there either. Right. And I can remember one of those nights and being like just feeling rotten and not good and being uh, my mom would be up with me. And I, I remember being back in bed and she would always get like a cool uh, washcloth and put it on me. And I remember laying in bed very specifically. And I said this to my mom. Why can't Jennifer, my sister, why can't she be sick? I didn't say I was a great guy. I just, you know. But I think it's human nature. Like, as a kid, we're like, why does it have to be me? Why couldn't it be somebody else? Why are my bones suffering? Why does it have to be me? 
This was the self-righteous premise of Job's friends, wasn't it, in the Old Testament? They sat around Job, who was experiencing sorrow in life after another, one after the other, and said, the reason that this is happening to you and not to us is because you're not living right, and we are. Look, church, we do that, don't we? We're always asking for God's blessings, and we assume that when things are going right for us, it means we're doing something better than somebody else. It's human nature, but it's not right, actually. At the end of the book, Job expresses his fury, or at the, God expresses his fury at Job's miserable, calls them miserable comforters. The world is too fallen and deeply broken to issue in neat patterns of good people having good lives and bad people having bad lives. I do remember when my mother was in the nursing home, I had to kind of work through that in my head. Like, I prayed that God would heal my mother, that he would take that memory loss and dementia and this difficult situation from her, and it just didn't happen. And, and, I, and I thought, well, if this is about who's good and who's bad, then why would this be happening to my sweet mama, right? Maybe you've been there. If you watch someone you love suffer through difficult times, and I just had to come to the conclusion, I know this isn't super deep thinking, it just doesn't work that way. It can't work that way if the sweetest person I know, the one who is more morally pure than I will ever be, right? Like if, as I kind of worked through that in my mind and saw my mother's situation, I had to conclude that it's not about who does good and who does bad. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, he causes, God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Which says to me that sometimes bad things happen to good people. And sometimes good things happen to bad people. And so you can't just say, well, I'm better than someone. That's why God in this season of my life is blessing me. You also have to be careful because if you go down that road during the good times, then you better go down that road during the bad times, right? When things, trouble does come to your life, then you have to say, if A plus B equals C, then maybe I'm not living right. So I just don't think it necessarily works that way. Finally, why me? The wrong answer would be God knows what he's doing, so be quiet and trust him. There's some truth in that, but that's not all there is to it. Verse 6 says, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and the heights of Hermon from Mount Mazar. Sometimes we do have to sort of lean into those good times with God to get us through the bad times. Sometimes we have to think about being on the mountaintop with God when we're going through the valley, don't we? We have to remember where we've come from and what God has done. So this answer is closer but not quite enough. It's inadequate because it's cold and because the Bible gives us more with which to face the terrors of life. God didn't create a world with death and evil in it. As a result, humans, we have, turned from him, and as a result, now there is death and suffering. This isn't the way God had planned things, though he knew that we would mess it up. He also put in plan a place to bring us back together. Everything became subject to decay, but God did not abandon us. 
Think about this. Of all of the world's religions, only Christianity teaches that God came to earth in the form of Jesus and became subject to the suffering and death himself, dying on the cross to take the punishment for our sins, the sins that we deserve, so that someday he can return to earth and end all suffering without ending us. I don't want to get too deep this morning, but let me get a little philosophical. Trouble or suffering doesn't dispute the existence of God. In my mind, it actually proves the existence of God. Right? If the world were completely controlled by randomness, by uh, survival of the fittest, then how would we even know what suffering is? If we have just evolved from some primeval soup, then suffering is just part of the game. Right? Whoever, whoever's the strongest, whoever can outlast the other, they win, and no matter what happens to the rest. Keller says, if, there, if it is therefore a mistake, though an understandable one, to think that if you abandon belief in God, it somehow makes the problem of evil easier to handle. So here's the solution. When trouble comes, don't deny God. Rather, lean into him. Why am, I so, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. This month, we've tried to do something a little creative with the... Uh, Aaron playing a song and teaching us a song with this record, actually playing with the record and with uh, different people reading our psalm or our text. And in my lifetime, I've seen, I've seen records. This is how old I am. I, I remember eight tracks. Remember those? They were weirdest things ever. They made no sense how, how to get to a song. I don't know. Um, cassette tapes were kind of what I grew up with. We could literally, if we wanted to hear a song, we couldn't just go to some streaming service and hear every song ever invented or ever written or ever recorded. We had to wait until it came on the radio, then we could record it from the radio. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Parents were mad at you for it. Right. I had all kinds of tapes. I would wait up because every, uh, there was like the top five at eight. So you hope that maybe your top five song would be on you could record it. When I was in college, it was CDs. And went through all of college. And so every time things changed, you had to reinvent, you had to rebuy everything that you liked and put it on from 8-track to CD to record to whatever. And here's what I think I've learned. Things change. Right? Now it's all MP3s. And it's true of our circumstances as well. If you're in a season of goodness and plenty, that's going to change. Times were going to come, right? Trouble will come your way at some point. But if you're in a time of trouble or suffering, that too will change. Just hang on. God is not out to get you. He loves you. May we trust God in the good times and the bad. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for... Um, today's text and one that reminds us that you are God whether things are going great or not so great. 
during times of um, excess and times of little. When trouble comes, Lord, just allow us to remember that you are still God. When our souls are downcast, when our faces and countenance have lost the smile, Lord, just help us to remember that you are still God. And not a God who's out to get us, a God that loves us. And a God that calls us unto himself. Lord, I thank you for these times when we get to come together as the church. Times that we get to remember and reflect and praise you for who you are. And Lord, I just pray that we will still show up even when we're not sure where you are. Lord, that we will still show up and we will still praise you even when we're going through times of trouble. Lord, that when suffering comes to our life and this world, that we won't blame you, that we will lean into you and your word and who you are. Because in you, Lord, is hope. So God, I just pray for each person here. Lord, I know we have both ends of the spectrum in this room today, from the greatest joys that we can experience to some of the most difficult things are in these chairs this morning. We're going to conclude. One of the things that we do as a church family every week is um, celebrate communion together. And it's one of those times for me that's very, like I say, kind of centering to remember and reflect on who Christ is and how much he's loved us and what he's done for us by sending Jesus. And we like to end every week with this time of communion. No matter what we talk about, you know what? It always points to Jesus. No matter where we are in scripture, whether we're talking about Job or the Psalms or we're in the Gospels, it all points to one thing and it's Jesus. We're going to take just a couple minutes to remember and reflect on who he is. Maybe you're going through some of life's greatest joys today. Remember that that's all about Jesus. Maybe you're going through some of life's most difficult times. Maybe even despair. Help that to point you to Jesus. Communion's been prepared and set up kind of in the four corners of the room today. In just a minute, we're going to invite you to join us in this time. On each table, there's some trays, and in those trays are some cups stacked together. In the bottom cup, there's a little bit of bread that represents Christ's body. And in the top cup, there's some juice that represents his blood. And together, this cup and this bread represent Christ's sacrifice. One that bridged the gap between us and God. When we had walked away and fallen away and gone away from God and maybe gone our own way, Jesus came in and he bridged the gap. He did what we couldn't do. He lived the life that we don't live. And he died the death, took the punishment that we should have gotten. So let's just spend a few minutes this morning remembering Jesus. And because of him, we have hope. No matter what's going on in your life, there is a hope that's found in Jesus.
Maybe you're here today and you've never professed Christ as your Lord. You've never fully put your faith in, in Jesus. We'd love to give you that opportunity as well. See, when we recognize that, yep, this world is broken, yep, difficult and bad things are happening all over the world, yep, my life is broken. We come to that realization, then there's only one place to turn, and it's not this world. It's to Jesus. Why don't you offload those burdens? Why don't you take the luggage and baggage of your life and just give it to him. He's proven that he can carry it. When we're weak, he's strong. The Bible says that when people came to that point of faith in Christ, trusting him for everything, laying their burdens at his feet, the people throughout the New Testament were immediately baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Man, I would love to help you with that this morning. Maybe you're here today, you could just use a word of prayer. Some of our elders and prayer team are going to make their way kind of around the room. If you need someone to pray with you today, that's why they're there. They're not bouncers. This guy kind of looks like a bouncer over here, but me, me mugging everybody. They're here to pray with you. We would love to spend just a couple minutes praying with you today. So this is your time. It's a time of communion, commitment, and prayer.
quiet my soul remember redemption's hill where your blood was spilled for my ransom everything I once held dear I count it all as lost Lead me to the cross Where your love poured out Bring me to my knees Lord, I lay me down Rid me of myself I belong to you Oh, lead me
beautiful song to end on just to lead us to the cross where it was all finished, where Jesus said it is done, where his love was poured out. Guys, if you're on a mountaintop or valley low, I just pray that you can find hope in Jesus and his resurrection and his word. Happy Thanksgiving. We hope this service has been a blessing to you. We'll see you guys next week. Take care.